0: Welcome to episode 175 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast we discuss the latest NRL coach sacking, the Warriors with sponsorship dramas, Pangai Jr. risks losing it all and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 175 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, have you had a big week this week?
1: Oh, look, uh, any victory from the Tigers uh, is <laughs> cause for celebration, uh, particularly when they beat uh, a team that's only won two games.
0: Oh, it's uh, epic, point. epic performance there. <laughs>
1: yeah that's right. Yeah that's right. Yeah that's right. look uh but uh, I have been pretty good you know um, yeah as uh you know getting back into uh going to work and you know risking uh risking my life catching the train and uh you know trying to uh, negotiate uh, wearing a mask uh you know I've already gone through 10 of them cuz I forget to uh to take it off to drink a coffee you know it's uh it's just one of the 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 many problems of twenty twenty, but uh,
0: you should try those yeah. new masks that have a hole for the mouth. <laughs> I think I think they're pretty. I saw them on the internet. I think they're pretty good. You should definitely purchase one.
1: Yeah, well, the, you know, well, I believe okay, they were made in
0: Queensland. Sorry, anyway, let's just.
1: Scomo has said nothing about uh, wearing a funnel. <laughs> uh, you know, so. Um, I believe they're perfectly safe, you know. There's a, and I believe they're called,
0: they called they they called uh, how bloody good are these masks? <laughs> Isn't that what he calls them? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> Even though no politician seems to actually wear one while they're actually um, while they're actually presenting or or saying something, nor does any news reporter uh, actually wear a mask while they're reporting live from you know COVID ground zero.
0: It's a uh-huh. bit of a concern, but, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it, it? It definitely is. It definitely is. And uh, maybe like, the NRL should, uh, you know, I know if, uh, the NRL is uh, holding itself to a higher standard. Uh, perhaps we could have uh, COVID mask round uh, 15 this round and uh, all <laughs> players mandatory to wear a mask. Maybe that might be a, a good sort of thing.
0: Well, I mean, you know, Kevin Proctor, um, who was alleged to have <laughs> bitten the forearm of uh, uh, um, Sean Johnson yes. uh, in, uh, you know, in, in their match. So, look, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he needs a mask. But, uh, look, look, your your week was epic with uh, that one-point win against the um, Cellar Dwellers Bulldogs. It can't have been much better than the uh, the Eels oh. losing to a coachless St. George Illawarra Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wow. I guess it was uh, the loss that we had to have, uh, mm. you know, is maybe the quote for the season because, uh, yeah, look, they've been struggling lately. You know, this is from the highs of being on top of the table and, and the minute they relinquish that top spot, they've just been on a downward slide, the eels. So the slippery eels slipping slipping down in their standards, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, look, a lot to get to. But let's just launch right into the tackles because there's so much to get to. So here we go, here we go with the six tackles. And tackle number one, the round fourteen wrap. All right. So the first game was the Storm flogging the Roosters twenty-four to six, and it was an injury-filled affair, unfortunately. But uh, really, look the the score line, I guess you know. This is another situation. It was, uh, you know, it was actually twenty-four nil with uh, at the sixty-third minute until the Roosters scored that uh, kind of, you know, consolation try, I guess you could say. So it could have even been a, a bit more of a blowout. But Tish, what were your thoughts about the Storm? Are they setting themselves, you know, up as a, a class above the Roosters at this point in the year?
1: Yeah, well look, the Cameron odd couple uh, were actually missing from the Storm, uh, you know, Cameron Munster and Cameron Smith, uh, and I think a lot of people predicted that the Roosters will just be too classy for the Storm, and you know, it's interesting, you know, like, you do talk about the injuries, there were some players out from the Roosters, but I think on the whole, uh, looking at the actual team that took the field, uh, you know, they had Kiru back, they had Dudesco back, they had uh, Takiaho. Jake Friend, they, they pretty much had their full strength team. The only major force that was probably absent was uh was was uh uh you know their their enforcer forward, uh, warrior Hargraves, right? So, uh, and then meanwhile the Melbourne Storm, it was kind of interesting, right? You know their 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 two main star players are out, um, but yet look Melbourne, they have a factory of great NRL players, and they. Were they showed how great of a team they were, how great of a coach side they are, but they, you know, they've, they just seem to be on top of the roosters for the entire game. On top of that, you know, an injury to Luke Carey. Um, I don't know if he's. I think he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Um, so that's obviously a major setback. Lachlan Lamb uh, also getting injured. So I believe that that, um, you know, and and uh, that is going to bring uh, Young Flanagan back into the squad. So it's going to be very interesting how uh, the Roosters are going to go for the rest of the season, and it kind of shows as well. Like even though a few weeks ago everybody thought the Roosters were the team to beat, um, the Melbourne Storm have beat them twice this year and shown uh, to everybody that that they're definitely a very capable and the Roosters are beatable. So back to back to back, maybe not in twenty twenty, and I think that's the big uh, takeaway. Like it's it's not a given that the Roosters will win. Um, and I think Melbourne, uh, even though they were completely dominant, I don't think they had a perfect game either. And I feel like um, that, that that maybe there is a few levels up that they could go as well. So very interesting how this uh, season is going to play out for both these teams.
0: Absolutely. Penrith uh, Panthers, 18-12 over the Warriors after racing out to a 16-0 lead at, uh, at around halftime, or was it 16... 16- uh, did they score? Or 60, it was either 16-0 or 16-6. Six. Uh, but basically, look, the Panthers uh, did what they needed to do. It probably wasn't as much of a dominant performance as they would have uh, liked, but they did what they needed to do. What were your thoughts, Tish?
1: Yeah, look, same here. Look, I think the, uh, you know, very uh, echoing your thoughts there, I think very, uh, a bit of a shock scoreline. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that the uh, Panthers would be, um, you know, uh, the, flying high against the Warriors. We have got to remember the Warriors, This uh, if they would have won this game, it would have been three in a row. So coming off uh, two wins uh, and sort of building momentum. Uh, so, you know, so a, a tough game for the Panthers and I think the Panthers just did enough, did what they needed to do to keep winning. And, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing for them at the moment is to just keep winning because um, unlike some other teams who started to lose a couple of games, once you lose one, uh, you know, you start to get on a a downward spiral a little bit.
0: Speaking of downward spirals, (laughs) the Eels losing 14-12 to the Dragons, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Who tries a piece? Actually, you know, two goals, two conversions versus one, but where they lost out was two penalty goals uh, to the Dragons, uh, you know, with about 20 or so minutes to go within a very short space of time. So they, you know, they were ahead 12-10 at one point and lost it through ill discipline. Uh, And that's not surprising that, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that this has happened. But, look, I'm starting to think that since Mitchell Moses returned, (laughs) they've actually kind of, you know, they haven't actually improved. They've kind of lost the plot a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think what I could say about uh, the Eels They're a great team. Um, They're a very top quality side. But I think what they lack is a bit of patience. (laughs) As in, I feel like they, at times, you could see them sort of getting frustrated, uh, starting to rush things, not trying to sort of build tries. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe a couple of soft, you know, some of the, you know, if you give them a couple of soft tries to begin with sort of thing, they might get just a little complacent. And I think that's probably... You know, they're a very young team as well. So I think that that's the kind of, you know, I, the issue isn't the talent. I think the issue is more around maybe attitude sometimes, mm. um, how they position themselves. Uh, look, meanwhile, the Dragons played um, played the best game that they've played all year. That's also true as well. Like, let's put it into context. The Dragon probably outplayed themselves um, and probably had the best performance in the whole tenure of Mary McGree's career just to see him off. So... And uh, one thing that the commentators did point out too is that, um, you know, he was actually, uh, McGregor wasn't actually, um, you know, up on the top. He was actually more uh, sort of running the communication uh, from the assistant, Dean Young, who was actually at the top um, looking, looking down. So uh, maybe Mary McGregor won his last coaching game without actually even coaching, which is interesting.
0: Wow, there you go. Um, and look, the next game was the Sharks uh, 30-18 over the Titans. And as I said, a bit of controversy there with an alleged biting incident. But look, again, the Sharks are kind of, you know, plodding along. Mm. Uh, they're just doing what they need to do. And they've, uh, you know, they're well entrenched in the top eight. Look, at this point, the, the eight has there's a bit of a gap between eighth and ninth. Uh, and so... Um, you know the sharks are kind of, you know, had they not won this game, they would have been, uh, you know, in danger of uh, of being, you know, in striking distance of, or uh, well, at least the tigers and the, the seagulls being within striking distance. But they did what they needed to do. Not surprising, the titans haven't set the world on fire this year. So, um, but they are the best. Perform Queensland side thus far. So, you know, that being said, uh, yeah, look, uh, a good good all-round performance from the Sharks. Nothing really to write home about, I think. What are your thoughts, Tish?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, the the Sharks, they are definitely building. They're getting their wins uh, that they need to do. Um, and unlike teams that are outside the top eight, they're actually beating teams that are lower ranked than them. They are beating a couple of top eight sides. So, um, yeah, as you said, there is a bit of a gap that's now... Um, you know, between the 8th and the ninth place teams. So that does show that um, I think the top 8 is pretty much settled. Uh, I don't see any of the other teams being able to to, to close the gap. Um, So I think the Sharks, uh, yeah, but they're one team firming. And one thing about the Sharks roster, there is uh, a lot of youth and inexperience in their team, but there is also lots of experience as well. So they've got a very mixed team. Um, you know, they probably don't have too many players in the middle of their career or, or sort of, you know, they've got got guys that have sort of played origin and, you know, had experience and then they've got guys that have, you know, yet to sort of taste any of that success. So maybe that blend uh, might be uh, what's needed to sort of navigate their way through the, uh, through the waters of the finals.
0: Absolutely. All right. The Rabbitohs uh, thirty-one to thirty in the first of two games, decided by field goals in the last few minutes. Uh, this one, of the field goal by Adam Reynolds in the last minute of the game, wow, which uh, was unbelievable and uh, and a good one too, um, nice and clear. And uh, you know, he's a clutch player, Adam Reynolds. Uh, I believe there was some. Mm-hmm article in the you know in the news about um uh, on on the internet about uh adam reynolds taking cues from uh, lebron james as a clutch uh, what it takes to be a clutch player um you know look maybe maybe we should look closer to home we have we have a precedent here of someone like cooper cronk who was able to be a clutch player in similar circumstances and I don't think yeah. we need to look to the NBA to find what it takes mm. to be a clutch player. You've got plenty of players around you who uh, who have been there and done it before. But Adam Reynolds definitely stepping up when required. Not a not a hugely impressive performance by the Rabbitohs, but um, again, they did what they needed to do, and that's the main thing. They won the game. So, Tish, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. Look, you got to remember, um, playing in North Queensland is actually very difficult for... ...teams to do because it is a it is a round trip um, that takes one day. So you're spending majority of the day just travelling to... ...because uh, it's fly in, fly out, right? And, uh, you know, to uh, observe the protocols and so forth. And I think this game was on at about 5.30 in the afternoon. So, um, you know, what time do the rabbit actually have to get up... ...to get onto the plane to fly out and uh, then get ready for the game... ...that is at 5.30 sort of towards the afternoon and then fly back and be at home by, what, midnight-ish. So it is it is quite daunting. Um, I know it's kind of a fact you don't think about. And then and then on top of all of that, you know, obviously the Cowboys, they do have some talent in their squad. I think they've been – I think it's safe to say part of the reason why they made a uh, coaching change this year is their distinct underperformance. So the Cowboys do have the talent to, to put on a good uh, victory. And um, I know the Hammer – uh, scored a brilliant try, uh, you know, where, you know, it was kind of the, uh, you know, 20 meter, uh, you know, chip to the winger and he was there and, you know, scored an unbelievable try. But uh, I think the the is doing enough. And you're right, Adam Reynolds, you know, if you're talking about catch players, you could say, a la Jonathan Thurston. Uh, Of course, you know, a
0: cowboy. Ironically. You beat them at their own game, yeah. Beat them at their own game. All right. Uh, Raiders 36 to the Broncos 8. And, look, there was a time where the Canberra versus Brisbane matchup would have been the matchup made in heaven uh, when they were going strong in the 90s and, uh, you know, the ups and downs over the years. And now, unfortunately, the Broncos are at their lowest of lows with uh, with this kind of a performance. Um, you know, just nowhere near the top teams at the moment, uh, really struggling off the field as well with a lot of controversy. They have not got the head in their game and, uh, you know, something needs to be done. But, um, look, the Raiders, it was six tries to two and, and you know, the score made more flattering by the fact that, that all the tries were converted, whereas none of the Broncos were. So, you know, when you look at it that way, um, you know, it could have been 36 12. Still a huge flogging, though. Uh, yeah. Tish, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, I think the, uh, you know, the silver lining uh, on the Broncos is that they didn't lose by 30 or more, they lost by 28. Um, <laughs> okay. because... That's a hell, hell
0: of a silver lining, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, because you know what they've had they've had deficits of uh 50 or 40 and uh you know it's been it's been pretty it's pretty awful so um look i think i think uh you know during this coronavirus there's been lots of waves of you know shopping it's been very hard to get certain things you know webcams have been difficult and uh you know maybe some uh you know technology's been difficult i think uh toilet paper has uh, there's been shortages of but clearly in Brisbane there is a shortage of tackle bags um <laughs> because uh the broncos if somebody has a tackle bag out there can maybe we could make uh DIY videos of how to turn a you know an old uh, an old uh, you know uh you know recliner into a tackle bag or something like that i think the broncos desperately <laughs> need some... Because, again, it just comes down to defence. And look, um, uh, the the Raiders, they were probably disappointed they didn't uh, beat them by even more. Uh, they, I think they're still trying to work out their attack a little bit. Um, but they've got a couple of rounds to go. You know, we've still got five or six games to play before the finals. So um, uh, it, it'd be interesting where how Canberra can improve over the next few weeks as they gear up towards the finals.
0: All right, the Knights 26 over the Manly Sea Eagles 24 in, uh, I guess, what you could call a local derby. And in controversial circumstances, there were five tries to four scored by the Knights. I think they probably deserve to win, but I think there's always people want to find a controversy in some of the refereeing decisions. I think Desi Hazler pointed out that uh, there was a pretty huge disparity in uh, penalties. I think it was 11-4. Uh, but look, you know, maybe they shouldn't have, you know, maybe they've got discipline issues. Maybe that's another way to look at it, that rather than blaming the referees for giving those uh, those penalties. Look, the other thing is, in this, in this day and age with the rules, and we're going to talk about the rules in a minute, the the idea of the, the set restart is theoretically supposed to take away the uh, the number of penalties and, and let the game flow a bit better. So in my mind, if you're starting to whinge about, you know, the referees favouring, uh, you know, in terms of actual penalties, not, ne- not necessarily set restarts, um, you know, you're doing something wrong, I think, because because really it means that you're going above and beyond to be ill-disciplined at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, maybe he's got something in it. Maybe Jeff Toovey will do the investigation. I don't know. But Mm. I just think Manly shouldn't really be throwing stones uh, or dying on this particular hill because they have have often had uh, discipline issues uh, in recent years. And and this is, uh, you know... Uh, potentially in in a very tense kind of local derby, uh, the yeah. emotions run high, and and players just really need to pull their head in. I think they just need to be more disciplined. What are your thoughts about the game? Yeah,
1: well, Doctor T, I think uh, obviously a uh, close goal line, a very uh, you, know, a, you know a very great game, uh, a bit of heat between both teams. You know, possession wise, they're both completely even. Uh, completion rates were or like, you know, virtually the same as well. So, um, you know, not a lot separating these teams and a good quality match between uh, both sides. And I think in the end, I suppose maybe that's what Des is talking about, you know, penalties going this way or that way. But historically, over the whole tenure of the Sea Eagles franchise in, uh, you know, the national competition of rugby league since, uh, you know, the 19, uh, what sixties when they came in, I think it's fair to say that they've had the rubber, <laughs> the green. Oh, there's a perception out there, you know, let's, uh, you know, so, so I, I don't know if that's uh, necessarily that. And um, I actually think that, yeah, that it, six agains is probably something that you probably more should be, I suppose, whinging about the penalties. Cause I think uh, a six again is actually a lot more of a pet, like, you know, a lot more of a punishment than the penalties. I don't think the penalties um, mean that much as well. If, if anything, um, sometimes I think sides try to give away a penalty just to uh, just to take get a bit of a breather because the game's gone so quick.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, so Tigers 29 over the Bulldogs 28. This time it was a Luke Brooks field goal that separated them, but in the 77th minute. So, you know, yeah. a few more minutes to go than the other one uh, that we spoke about. But again, a nice tight match. Again, uh, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, look. Um, obviously, this is not the way that Tigers fans wanted it to go. Um, because it was sort of something that you, you know, we kind of expected to win by quite a lot, and we desperately need to win. Uh, this game because we've got a tough run coming in. Um, there's already uh, you know, a two game, uh, catch up that we need to play to get to even the eighth spot. So, you no, know, this is kind of a must win, and to uh, go out there and almost be beaten by the Bulldogs was was kind of scary, but. The silver lining is that it is great that Luke Brooks is the one that kicked the field goal. Um, You know, because I think it's a big confidence booster for him. You know, he's sort of, uh, you know, been a halfback that's shown lots of promise and everything like that. But I think this is the first time I could ever recall um, him winning the game for the team in the clutch moment or the critical moment. You know, we talked about that with Adam Reynolds. And I think this is kind of something that uh you know hopefully can catapult his career a little bit more. And look the, the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs um I don't think uh you could uh say anything about their effort. I think their effort is 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 sort of uh quite um you know remarkable. You know, you see them doing things and that was a, a bit of the difference. I think that's why the game was actually so close because there were times where you know the Bulldogs pretty much scored because they had more of an effort than what the Tigers did, and I think the Tigers can uh, be guilty of being the lazy, th- uh, you know, throughout the uh, throughout a few games and, a- and throughout this uh, game as well. So, look, good win for the Tigers. The Bulldogs. What I hope is that the Bulldogs can win a couple of games this year because I don't believe they're in the last spot at the moment. But I don't believe they're the worst side in the NRL. I think there's another club that should get that award. So I actually hope they don't finish up in the wooden spoon. And I've got to say, it's always great to watch uh, two Western Sydney teams go at it, as well. Um, you know, you can see the crowd sort of getting into it, and uh, you know, spilling beers as they're uh, as they're watching their teams uh, score tries and stuff like that. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on to tackle number two. Here we go. All right. So the big news this week was obviously, uh, um, Paul McGregor. Mary McGregor, as we call him, mm. coach of the St. George Illawarra Dragons, um, you know, also known as uh, you know the Stephen Bradbury of NRL coaches, managed to somehow avoid elimination, <laughs> avoid getting sacked for I think three years running. <laughs> I believe at least mm. that we have predicted that he would be the first coach sacked, and it hasn't come to pass, and it hasn't come to pass this year, but. Eventually, time caught up with him, and he has finally been sacked as the, the coach of the St. George Illawarra Dragons. I think his performances just weren't there, and he's been there way too long. I think it took way too long for the Dragons to um to do what they needed to do. Um, and look, the next thing that's that's coming up is uh, you know, look what what's what's happening next. And I think he's, he has anointed himself. No, he himself has anointed someone. Who is uh, who, who to be his replacement, Tish? Who has Paul McGregor suggested should be the replacement of of him?
1: Well, um, you know, if you have a dud coach, uh, you know, and you need to get a new coach, who do you look to? Well, you got to look for the dud's assistant, and uh, that's where Paul McGregor.
0: <laughs> has... That makes sense. That checks out. Yep, <laughs>
1: that checks out. So he's he's picked his assistant coach, Dean Young. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Dean Young, he was actually, uh, yeah, he, apparently he was the one, uh, sort of running the team in last Friday night's performance. So, um, you know, kind of, uh, even though it doesn't count, you know, I suppose he's one, one and zero. So look, uh, Paul McGregor, I've got to say Paul McGregor, when he was, uh, playing, uh, he was one of the best players out, you know, in the world. I don't know if you are won gold, but he's certainly a, a, really, you know, dominating center And, uh, you know he's he's known for being a very nice guy, uh, in rugby league circles and so forth. And I think he had some moderate success with, uh, you know, with with the Dragons. You know, I, I believe his uh, winning percentage is around the forty six percent, you know, sort of uh, area. So it's not, you know, it's very. Uh, I suppose the way to say it, it's kind of mediocre, really. Like it's not absolutely low and not absolutely high. And I think that's kind of been the problem. And um, You know, the Dragons, I think what they've had is that they've had this uh, ability uh, to sort of, um, you know, have really good starts for their seasons and then just collapse right at the end. And um, this year it's kind of worked out a little bit the other way. So, Mm. um, yeah, so I think that just just, it's been that. um, So, yeah, look, I think as the story went around, uh, he was hurt, you know, the board had kind of told him that they were looking to move on. Um, and that they couldn't guarantee him a spot uh, for next year, so I think he made the decision himself to 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 resign um, because he didn't know what his future was going to be. Yeah, there is a, a a personal issue I think with Paul as well. I think one of his parents might be um, you know, quite ill as well. So I think there is those factors at play as well. So um, yeah, look. So I think it's I think in the end it's probably a good move for actually everybody. Involved here because I think that the St. George Dragons needed to move on a little bit from what they've currently got because of whatever setup, system, recruitment, the whole thing, it's not working for them at the moment. Mm. And one big part of that is the coach. So, and I think for Paul McGregor, I think, um, you know, obviously with him resigning um, earlier than, than finishing off the season, I think he himself probably didn't want to be there for the next few weeks. So, I think it kind of made sense, and um, you know, look, we got, i kind of said something about uh, Dean Young being uh, dud, but I've also heard, and I heard this from Laurie Daly, that apparently um, he's actually got a really good coaching style and coaching technique, and a lot of people rating very highly. So he's got five weeks to try and prove himself. Uh, other than that, uh, who can the Dragons uh, look for? Um, I don't know. Uh, Dean Pay is looking for a gig. Um, Stephen Kearney is looking for a gig. <laughs> Paul Green is looking for a gig, um, and uh, yeah, Todd Payton, of course, uh, looking for a gig. So uh, that's that's all about. I can name. I can't really name too many other coaches that are looking for any sort of gig out there. But Tish, um, let
0: me ask you. Let me ask you in a different way. Who would you want if you were a Dragons fan? Who would you want them to get as your coach of the available people?
1: Of the available people, well, oh, that's very interesting. Um out of that bunch it's it's quite difficult. I think that okay, to to be to be totally fair, I think they've got to try and move heaven to try to get Shane Flanagan's license as a coach back. Um, because I believe it's uh he's still got one year to go with his ban as being a head coach. But Flanagan's obviously done it for the Sharks. I don't know if he's necessarily gonna go back to the Sharks. So I think the Dragons having him as an assistant is great, but I think he should be the man to eventually run the club. Um, other than that, I think, um, you know, I am a bit of an Ipswich Jets type of guy. I, I think that those uh, the Walker brothers should finally get their opportunity and, um, you know, two brothers uh, coaching a joint venture club, it's kind of perfect.
0: I like it. I think it's a good idea. Very good idea. I don't have anything better than that. I think that's a great idea, actually. Give him a go. Why not? Yeah. All right. Tackle number three. Here we go. So the Warriors have a bit of a problem on their hands sponsorship-wise. In summary, for several years, as we know, that the NRL premiership has been known as we know, is the Telstra Premiership, and Telstra being the main sponsor, one telecommunications company, unfortunately, uh, is also the sponsor of the Warriors, which is Vodafone. And so I think finally it has all come to a head and, uh, and basically the NRO has stepped in and I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but I believe they've basically banned the Warriors from having Vodafone, which is a competitor to Telstra, as being a major sponsor of that club, uh, you know, citing kind of uh, conflict of interest issues. There are uh, always a tough situation when you've got, you know, sponsors that are opposing each other. Um, you know, it's a tough one because the telcos are quite, uh, you know, they're quite rich at the moment. So you kind of do, you know, um, you know, th- th- there's always going to be that concern where you've got the major, one of the major sponsors of the entire premiership is a a telecommunications company, but it's direct competitors are also kind of rich organizations and you would want their money in the game as well, which is a bit of a shame that we can't, we can't get their money in the game. And I can see it from Telstra's perspective. uh, And I guess it leaves us in a bit of a situation because um, you know, what, what does that mean for the Warriors? You know, they've had a good association with Vodafone for several years and now all of a sudden Telstra has played its uh, its ace card, and um, there's nothing they can do about it. The Warriors, so uh, Tish, what you know? What's uh, am I missing something here in this story? Do we? Uh, and, and what are your thoughts around uh, what what could the Warriors do? Who who would be a good major sponsor for the Warriors for the at Warriors. this point?
1: Oh, oh yeah, what's well, some really great questions there? But look, I think the interesting thing about this one is that uh, when I was reading. Uh, a little bit about it, reading the articles online. I noticed that they kept talking about how the Warriors have had Vodafone uh, as a sponsor for 22 years. So it's a very long-term relationship that the Warriors have had with, um, you know, with uh, with sort of, uh, you know, uh, Vodafone and the Warriors have had. And uh, it's kind of iconic, you know. It's kind of like Victor and the, the West Bank Pies a little bit, you know. Kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, the Phillips and the Tigers, Puretech and the Eels,
0: or James like, Hardy and the Eels, back in the eighties, yeah.
1: James Hardy and the Eels, and then you got to think about, um, you got to think about like, a, sorry, I was just, uh, sorry, I've just got to think. Even the Bulldogs had a long-term sponsor, which they kind of got, uh, kind of didn't have at the start of the season. Um, but uh, you know, and uh, so so teams kind of have this, and uh, I was trying to actually think, can I actually remember who was the sponsor before, uh, the Warriors? And I think I went all the way back to 1998, when I, I think it was DB Bitter, which uh, was obviously an alcohol company, uh, which obviously alcohol companies are not allowed to sponsor uh, teams anymore. Wow, so, which, is, which is why. So it, yeah, so it's a it's a long history. Uh, but the other interesting thing that I looked at is is how long ago did Telstra become the major sponsor, and that is actually 1997, <laughs> 23 years. So. You know, if Telstra were the major sponsor in 1997 and then the Warriors became a Vodafone, you know, Vodafone became the sponsor, major sponsor of the Warriors in 1999, like, wouldn't this have been an issue back then? Why have we waited mm. 22 years for it to be an issue now? That is what I find really interesting about this uh, story is that uh, it's actually been this way for a long time. And... Um, yeah, so why things. now,
0: basically? Why now?
1: Why now is kind of the mm. most interesting thing that I found, find uh, fascinating about this particular issue. And then on top of all of that, it kind of reminded me of the uh, Coca-Cola uh, Rugby League Sevens, um, which was won one year by the manly Warringah Sea sponsored by Pepsi. Um, and there's a bit of controversy about what they were drinking as they were, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> winning their medal, uh, medal and things like that. So I do see the bit of a conflict but I just found it so strange that it that it's taken all this light. Now um, I've got to say there are some mixed articles out there now where apparently Telstra is backing down or the NRL is claiming that Telstra is backing down. so I think clearly um, I think there are people in uh, New Zealand uh, maybe Jacinda she's completely upset about this whole situation um, you know I, I don't know if it's gone that far but There might actually be uh, more to this story in the next few weeks because I I feel like um, I think we're just on the cusp of something even quite bigger than this because it it seems very, uh, yeah, heavy-handed for Telstra all of a sudden. Um, So, yes, I just wonder what what that's happening. I think whatever sponsors – look, the great thing about the New Zealand Warriors is that they've got a whole nation around them. So, um, you know, what is is the biggest uh, New Zealand company? I don't know, Fisher & Paykel maybe? Um, that could be.
0: Are yeah, they New the Zealand big, company?
1: I think they're a New Zealand company. Aren't they? I
0: didn't think so. No, I don't think so.
1: Oh, oh okay. All right. There but um, so, uh, I don't know then. Um, maybe New Zealand Airlines. Um, uh, that's kind of popular, right?
0: Yeah. So, and is it? Or is it? Air New Zealand. What are they called? Air New Zealand. Yeah, Air I, Air I think. Air think Air. Um, no, you're right. I think that's probably one to look. Uh, possibly, look. Possibly, this is a blessing in disguise. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, as we said, you know, both have had long-standing relationships. The conflict of interest has been there for many years, two decades at least. So it's kind of funny that it's happening now. It's coming to a head. Some comments from the new acting uh, CEO Andrew Abdo of the NRL, I mean, uh, was quite interesting because he sort of said, you know, as we said, the you know, there's been a long association with the game for both both of them all clubs benefit from the investment that Telstra has put in so they can see why, you know. And then he said, it's unfortunate that the Warriors and Vodafone have not been able to come, to come up with a mutually beneficial solution despite the NRL working closely on potential options to try and retain Vodafone as a partner for the Warriors. So that's interesting. It's painting the NRL in a good light, saying we've tried our best to kind of, you know, Retain Vodafone, and and that for some reason they've not been able to, you know, um, come to the party and come up with a mutually beneficial solution, uh, which is kind of odd. Like there's no blame there at all for Telstra. There's no yeah. kind of, um, and there's no kind of understanding that you know could they have not reached a compromise deal and just shut up about it, you know, uh, rather yeah. than it this being a continuous thing because there has been behaviors recently that the alleged behaviors that, you know, they've been asked, uh, Telstra has asked, um, you know, voter or the Warriors to take down Vodafone kind of signage at games and all this sort of stuff, just really silly things, which really wouldn't be an issue if you actually had an agreement about the exact nature of the sponsorship arrangement. Um, Could this be, um, you know, maybe it's a failure by the NRL to not actually um, clarify the terms and conditions of the naming rights holder versus a major sponsor of one of their clubs in a particularly sensitive strategic location as well. Like, we don't want to necessarily put the Warriors and New Zealand Rugby League back, do we? So... Yeah, maybe they should do a little bit more than just uh, kind of go. Oh well, hands are tied. You know, they couldn't come to an agreement. It is what it is. Um, it's a bit disappointing that that's the situation. And like you said, yeah. maybe there was a trigger. Maybe something happened. You know, this week uh, or recently, where Telstra just had enough of this. And uh, you know, it could be the. It could be COVID related. Maybe the. Uh, you know, maybe their profits are down a bit or maybe they've been trying to invest elsewhere and, uh, you know, it comes to a point where someone else takes over the uh, the case and looks at things and says, this isn't right, we need to put our foot down, we're the naming rights holder, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all of a sudden, you've got a conflict <laughs> happening, whereas, you know, in the last 22 years, it hasn't been an issue. So or it's been yeah. an issue, but it's been a manageable issue. So again, exactly. um, we will we won't know yet unless uh, something happens that we find out on the internet very soon. But um, yeah, it's one of those mysteries at the moment. It's up there with uh, the mysteries of who built the pyramids. You know, That's right. why did it take so long for Telstra? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, one day you'll be seen in the history books. The uh, yeah. the question mark there'll be an asterisk next to Vodafone Warriors twenty twenty, and the question yeah. mark will will read, you know. Yes. We still don't know why Telstra waited 22 years to okay. <laughs> to put their foot down.
1: Okay, and you know what, Doctor T, I think I've I think I've actually figured this out because, as anybody knows who's ever had to wait for a Telstra service, they do take their time.
0: <laughs> so maybe they just didn't realize for 22 years. That's right. It didn't get right. back to so, head office.
1: That's right. So so I could just say, you know, Neil Whitaker at the time. Uh, you know, uh, email. Uh, you know, email to Telstra executives. Um, you know, hi. Is do you guys want exclusivity? Um, to the as you guys are the major sponsor. CC John Howard, and uh, the email and came back last week. We will make a decision between nine a.m. and uh, three p.m. in twenty twenty. I think it was. So uh, the deadline has finally arrived, and uh, there you go. But. Another thing that I've got to find, um, you know, that is uh, quite, in the words of Alanis Morissette, ironic, uh, don't you think, (laughs) about this whole situation is that you've got uh, NRL, you've got Vodafone, you've got Telstra and you've got the New Zealand Warriors. And the issue is a breakdown of communication, <laughs> Yep. by these billion-dollar communication companies. But that's what it is. So uh, that's a bit funny. So um, oh I've yes, say- that
0: is irony. Uh, absolutely ironic.
1: <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe the uh, maybe we might see the Dodo Premiership or the AMI AMI Sim um, Premiership uh, very soon. So let's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, on that note, <laughs> let's move on to tackle number four. Alright, so questionable Queenslanders and pandemic Pengu risk losing it all. Tish take us through what's been happening in Queensland with Tavita Pango Jr. and the Queenslanders. The Broncos. Oh uh,
1: yes. The Broncos, the Brisbane Broncos, the beloved Brisbane Rockers never can do anything wrong, Brisbane Broncos. Well, Queensland Premier Alexander Palaszczuk, Alexandria Palaszczuk. I'm sorry if I've stuffed that up for what the of time, but she, uh, you know, she's quite void by the fact that there's no outbreaks in Queensland. But unfortunately, I think her Brisbane Broncos are doing everything they can to try and make Corona uh, a reality in Queensland. So a rift, you know, rift in Broncos player rankings has revealed that Tavita Pango Junior. Um, you know has uh basically been stood down from the club. Um, so you know, uh, he was basically fined thirty thousand dollars from the NRL, stood down uh, immediately uh, because he did break the bio uh, you know, biosecurity breaches. Um, by showing up to an opening of a barbershop that is run by the Mongols Bikes Club, <laughs> right? So, um not only is he breaking the biosecurity protocols, he's also associating himself with, obviously, you know, uh, members of the uh, community, can I say, that uh, that the NRL uh, probably doesn't want to associate with. Um, and then, look, there was also reports that in the previous weeks, he had actually cold-called Nick Politis asking for a job. So, um, you know, so they knew that he was actively uh, on his own bat trying to look for another role. I wonder if he's got a Telstra plan or a Vodafone plan. Um, but that's what's been happening. But there's actually, uh, you know, as we sort of record this podcast, there's actually been a, another revelation that's come out of uh, Queensland, and that is mm. a further ten Broncos players have been fined a total of one hundred and forty thousand dollars for um, breaching protocols once again and actually visiting a pub. Um, so the Broncos club has been seventy-five has. Find uh, has been fined seventy five thousand dollars each, and then each uh, of the uh, players have been fined up to a total of sixty five thousand dollars. There are three development players in the ten that uh, you know their a portion of their fine has been suspended uh, because obviously they're not in the big way. But uh, here are some of the the names that have actually uh, going to be fined. It's uh, Jake Turpin, uh, Katoni Stags, David Fafita. Uh, Corey Pakes, uh, Keenan, uh, Pulisic, Sean O'Sullivan, and Corey Oates, um, and uh, you know, uh, there's also been reports that you know Alan Langers' breach was, I think he actually went out for his birthday, and they turned the cameras off in the Caxton Hotel for his birthday, and I believe that these players have have emerged that they were actually at this party as well, which is what uh apparently is this leak so. Look, the Broncos—they're uh, not playing well, uh, bad discipline, and now we're hearing that they're breaking biosecurity protocols. You know, it could be a situation where they might need to forfeit their last remaining games because it might actually be too dangerous for the other teams to actually play against the Broncos due to the fact they've got so many players in their club that are breaching protocols. Um, Doctor T, I never thought I'd ever ask you, but what should the NRL do? With the Broncos.
0: Well, um, look at this point. You know, maybe they just need to. I don't know, stand them all down because it looks like they're they're constantly breaking breaking some pretty serious. I mean, this isn't just you know one off things, and uh, you know, this is a time when the world is in crisis. Mm. They got together. They agreed they would come back with certain conditions, that they would hold themselves to a higher standard, as you said earlier, which is, again, not something that you would ever expect the NRL to, a word that you would associate with the NRL, like higher standard. Um, But they did it because they knew that they had to get it right and show that they are holding themselves to a higher degree of accountability than the rest of society so that they could get on with it and do what they need to do so that they can entertain us. You know, that's the whole point. They, you know, that the whole point is they want to continue. You know, the people like PVL have done their best to get the money flowing in at a time when lots of people have lost their jobs, businesses have gone broke. They've done their best. They've actually capitalized on the fact that, you know, they saw an opportunity and what it all requires, you know, fundamentally the building blocks of all this, is the cooperation of the players and if they can't be trusted to do this then maybe they just need to be kicked out you know at this point in the year i don't think people would mind a buy to allow some of their injuries which as we've seen some injury toll the injury toll has gone up a little bit um Mm. with the current situation also for, uh, you know, for what we're going to talk about in a minute, the rule changes have led to a higher, you know, intensity and speeding up of the game. So all of this is leading to greater number of injuries. I think teams would love to have a buy, non-Broncos teams, you know. So why not kick them out? If this is, you know, make make an example of them and potentially kick them out for the rest of the year. At this point, are the Broncos fans going to worry about it? Probably not. (laughs) They're not going that well, Um, you know maybe they can it allows them to get their house in order maybe it also is a way to a bit of a wake up call for the players uh, who are young and ill disciplined obviously making very poor decisions um you know maybe they need to be made an example of and I don't I can't believe I'm saying that because it is very harsh to say that but I think uh, at this point, you know, people are kind of already saying that the winner of this uh, year's uh, premiership will have an asterisk next to their name anyway, because of the fact that it's such an unusual year, we, given what's happened. It's uh, it's not a, you know, it's not a run of the mill standard kind of year. So maybe, maybe uh, extraordinary times call for extraordinary decisions. And, yeah. and and maybe they need to do it. Like I said, I don't think teams would mind having a buy as opposed to playing against the Broncos, where you potentially could get uh, injured, you know, or any team for that matter. But you know, even if it is a Broncos team that is not putting up much of a fight at the moment. So, look for many reasons, it's uh, the Broncos are a bit dead in the water this year. So, look potentially with this uh, their breaches in, in this case really really poor decision making by even some of the senior staff uh, yeah. let alone the players um, I think as a club it needs to be punished and and you know it's unfortunate I mean would I feel the same if it was the eels I probably would actually I probably would be glad that um, that we actually are holding these people to a, some standards and this yeah. is yeah. this is not yeah. just a social standard or societal standard this is a you know this is a health crisis we're going through And they are in the epicenter of the state that is actually, you know, been in the clear for the most part, you know, who is turning away, uh, you know, the the visitors from Victoria, especially and New South Wales, has declared the other two states hotspots and and itself not a hotspot. So, you know, for the Broncos organization and players to be doing this in Queensland is... is, uh, it's taken advantage of the fact that the rest of uh, the the state is is doing well to manage the crisis. So it is a bit of a shame, but I think, yeah, tough decisions. What about you, Tish, before we move on? What are your yeah, final I, thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I've got to say, uh, yeah, I think tough decisions. And to be honest, I think the NRL have shown that they're willing to make the tough decisions this year as well. Um, so I can't see them put it past them if this is going to have to happen. And look... Uh, part of the reason why the NRL may have to do this is just to re—I suppose—reinforce to the government that they're dead serious about um, keeping the game safe and keeping the community safe. Um, you know, from these outbreaks, which is why they're adhering to the pro- protocols. And even if one franchise has to uh, stop playing, um, they will do it. And maybe that's what it will come down to. Because I think the other thing that I'm looking at here is that. You know, usually when you found out about something like this, and it kind of happened with Wayne Bennett, where he kind of said, "Well, I've kind of been doing it quite a lot anyway." <laughs> but we actually don't know how many times they've sort of got away with it. Um, particularly if you hear cases where you know they've got enough pull in their community to have a, uh, you know, hotels actually shut down cameras, so you know, mm. security cameras. Uh, so. That's probably the other, I suppose, alarming thing to it. And look, and for Pangai Jr. to sort of, I don't know, co-call Nick Polites and ask him for a job with the Roosters, uh, the thing about Pangai is he is a great player, but I think I think the Roosters, um, you know, I, I'm not their biggest supporter, but I think one thing that I do admire about them is that, you know, over the years, if you look at their squad at the moment, they've actually let go of some players um, who who didn't fit their culture. I think it was important for them. I think they they feel like getting the right players is just as important as avoiding the wrong players with the wrong attitudes. And, uh, you know, if you think about, like, um, you know, think about everything that happened with Latrell Mitchell, and I actually don't think he had a bad attitude. I think he's a great player and everything. But even um, even just a little bit of not following the rooster's way, um, it put the whole club off uh, getting Latrell. And then here you've got a guy who's, uh, you know, playing for the Broncos, not putting his best foot forward, uh, doing all sorts of stuff, not really having uh, consistent in his game. I think he's a long way from like the, you know, from a team like the Roosters actually considering him. So I think with Pango Junior, a bit of soul searching, you know, he's got the talent, but I think uh, what's that's kind of the most saddest thing about the whole thing is that he's got the talent, but I feel like he's wasting it just by just by not sort of, um, you know, just by having the wrong sort of uh, attitude towards uh, the NRL and the privilege it is just to
0: play in the NRL. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to tackle number five. Here we go. All right, so we've talked about the new rule changes with the, uh, the set restart uh, and what it's done to the game in the NRL, but it looks like it has made a huge impact in, uh, over in the UK in the Super League. Uh, so those of you who don't know, the set restart is where the referees are able to just start the set count uh, for any penalties that uh, or, or offences that are occurring around the ruck area. Um, you know, rather than blow up a penalty, they just restart the set and they'll they'll tell people. Uh, in fact, what's what's the audible that they? I think it's uh, they just say you know zero tackle or something like that or whatever it is. Set restart. Which has basically made the game a lot less stop-start with all the infringements around the ruck, which was starting to occur, and really take away from the game. But what it what it's done is it's sped up the game. It's made it a lot more free-flowing, much more entertaining, and obviously the Super League over there in the UK are reaping the benefits because um, you know it's it's been leading to like as we found here as well. We it's been leading to some blowouts, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, where there's a mismatch in uh, in teams on the day, uh, you know, they can really capitalise on their superior, say, fitness or strength or whatever um, over the other team. And so, you know, and, and in fact, it's had such a, an impact that Warrington captain Chris Hill has said that, Quote, with the rule changes, I think it's sparked the game up a bit and we're seeing a lot more entertaining stuff. Hopefully in a few years' time, we'll look back at this as a turning point in rugby league. Tish, that's my question to you. Do you think that this set restart rule change, uh, you know, we've seen evidence of it here in NRO and now in the UK Super League, is this a turning point for rugby league as a spectacle? Oh,
1: I've got to say yes, <laughs> I do. Um, you look, being a diehard rugby league fan, a rusted on rugby league fan, I'm pretty much, pretty much watching as many games as I could get uh, myself physically, you know, uh, in front of a device to actually watch, watch any game that I can. And um, and like I've got to say in a few other seasons, sometimes when some teams are not playing um, and, you know, the game's a bit slow and just the style, you kind of don't want to watch what's going on. But now I've got to say since it's a, a much more flowing, continuous game, I think it's really done it for the better. I think the game is a lot more exciting. Um, and I think even the close games, you know, before you had close games where the score would be like 11 points to 10 and it'd be a def- defense-oriented game. Well, now you will you get a twenty 29, 28, you know, mm, 20, you know, yeah. 18 sort of thing. So you're getting four or five tries per team per game because it's brought the element of mistakes. Mistakes are a lot more costly in the game. Um, you know, cause the game has got less stoppages, and I think that's overall been good. You now, it's it's interesting, you know, Peter Stilling, I think, said something on the Channel 9 game on the Sunday where he said that, look, um, you know, in the past, when a centre makes a tackle and is in marker, you know, uh, he would actually try and blow a penalty, try and get a penalty because he knows that, the you know, if the other team goes to the blind side, um, they're going to score because, you know, he, he's marking out in that position and everybody's out of position. But since centers can't do that anymore, you've seen a lot more tries on the blind side or a lot more tries sort of around the corner. And, you know, you've got these wingers who practice um, scoring amazing tries <laughs> and they do it on a regular basis, you know. Mm. Um, you know, sort of the, the fly at the end, legs in the air, feet in the air, you know, everything, you know, so everything is sort of out except for your finger that is on the ball scoring the try sort of thing. And, uh, you know, so... And that just makes the game a whole lot more exciting, you know, and I think that's kind of uh, made it made it so. And, um, you know, the game sort of... A 90-minute game goes for about 90 minutes. It doesn't seem to go... Because you know how you used to have these dra- games that you used to just drag on a little bit? You kind of don't see that anymore. So I think, I think the... I think the Super League have done the one thing that the NRL needs to do now, which is just just to get rid of the scrum, and I think we need to rebrand and we need to market this product because I think it's a great product. I think it's a great disruptor of other of other sports in the world at the moment. So, um, but it just needs to get the I think it just needs to get the word rugby eliminated from the conversation completely. Uh, I wouldn't be my. Mind- I wouldn't even mind if they call it hull ball, or something like that. Sort of <laughs> yeah. going back to the origins, because it. it's not you know. It's I don't think it's got any association from rugby apart from just being a breakaway.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, look, it is. It is still this is the fundamental thing. So you've opened up a can of worms here, Tish. I think we we almost we all should almost devote. Uh, I think we'll do this in future. We'll almost devote a bit of a bit of a section of our future, a future podcast on this very issue, because I think it's so critical that we actually debate the pros and cons of every side here, doing nothing, doing something, taking away rugby, keeping rugby, you know, there's benefits, pros and cons. And I've actually, you know, flip-flopped over, over the course of many years thinking about this very issue. And and I think, uh, you know, there's, look, potentially like at the moment if you ask me at the moment what is my in, immediate response to what you just said, uh, I would say you know I, I think I think scrums are not required because again it is a bit of a historical legacy thing because the game itself really it used to you know before it was codified as rugby union uh, it was it was basically a big long scrum. Basically, that was how the ball was kind of transported, uh, you know, and then it started to break away. It started to be, you know, the backwards passes and all that stuff, which has then turned into the game that we we love. Obviously, with the breakaway in 1895 to Rugby League or what is now known as Rugby League, although then it was called Northern Union, I've actually said that, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, I think we can do potentially a rebrand of the sport that doesn't require much of a rebrand of NRL and so you can actually use the NRL brand and 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 move that around the world and spread that around the world and have a properly you know associated um, you know new new competitions say in the US or whatever associated with the NRL brand where the NRL is not necessarily the competition here but it's actually the name of the game. Uh, And I'm thinking, you know, so I've said this before, I think people call it league, people want rugby. The thing that gets forgotten is the N in, you know, NRL, national. doesn't make much sense. But, you know, Tish, what was it called when we broke away in 1895? Who was it that broke away? It was called Northern Union. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe we should just call it northern rugby league and and have that nrl as the you know like we call kfc now <laughs> you know the brand is uh, people will know what it means uh, if you say nrl it's it there's no quite there's no confusing with um with with rugby union who's decided to call itself you know rugby or whatever world rugby whatever they call themselves now um, but we've still got rugby technically name, but we just, it's easier to say NRL, NRL. Um, now you might say, what about the nines and whatever, and other variations? Great. Call it NRL nines. Easy. Mm. You know, it's, it's so easy. And so I think, you know, again, this is going to be a topic for another day, but I think there are lots of good ideas out there that we, we should really test and we should get people who are you know brand experts and and uh and really you know maybe it's it's a kind of thing that yeah we might need to ask the fans what they think as well but at the end of the day you know we can call it what we like i mean this game has gone through a super league war in australia it's come out the other side with a unified competition after it was split you know you might say people have left the game in droves, but in but others have come to the game in droves. You know, you've seen South Sydney come back. You know, you've seen all sorts of things happening that show that, look, people do move on. And again, this is a generational thing as well. Like, we need to set this up for the future so we, you know, we'll never break into, say, the US market if we can't get uh, ourselves understood as a separate game, you know, like I said, when with with COVID, you know, people were watching uh, the NRL as it came back and were amazed, and the internet was alight, with uh, tr- Twitter was trending with NRL, um, and again we kind of didn't capitalize on it. You know, people just sort of went back, go, oh, that's that's good, that that's a tough sport, and it's like. You know about this already. You've seen it before. Like, why aren't you doing something about it? Why aren't you, you know, engaging with it? So I think, yeah, rebrand, absolutely. Scrums, remove, maybe, but also questioning the fact that it is a bit of a a nod to the absolute origins of of this sport as well. So, yeah, good one, Tish. But I think I'm going to draw a line under that (laughs) because otherwise we could go on forever. Yeah. So let's move I, on. I just
1: gotta kind of say that maybe part of coming up with the name is that, um, you know, usually when you change some rules, you're changing your code, right? And what happens when you change your code in life? Well, it usually means that you've uh, signed up to a new cult slash religion. So I'm just wondering whether we should have a naming ceremony. Right. You know, uh, you know let's get Saad Let's get Deepak Chopra. Uh, let's get, uh, you know, let's get Kenneth Copeland. Uh, let's get all these spiritual advisors together in a in a room. Let's do symposiums. Let's do TED talks. I think uh, I think
0: we need Oprah Winfrey. And I see We need Oprah Winfrey. I think we need a Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey uh, joint kind of spiritual session. Call it the Oprah Chopra and <laughs> and let's see if we can come up with a better name. You know, get Gary Gary V You know, he's all, you know, people like that who are all into that kind of branding thing. And uh, there's plenty, plenty we could do. Absolutely. And I think uh, in all seriousness that it is, it's, it's a kind of a topic that we keep talking about and we know people want to talk about. And definitely I've seen some of these discussions go on for years and years and years on, uh, on, on various internet forums and things like that. Unfortunately, the, the ideas that people come up with, most of them are terrible. And so, you know, there's there's actually, it's almost like a meme, but there is a thing out there where, you know, people are saying we should call it, you know, it's the best game in the world, so let's just call it Top Ball because it's top, it's a top game. Yeah. You know, again, this is, a, it's a meme, but it sort of highlights the fact that we don't have any serious discussion about these things because, you know, who are the voices? Are the voices that, that are being heard people like Phil Gould? You know, some of those the the views of people who actually are close to the influences and the power powers that be don't necessarily you know like they're not necessarily renowned for being innovative in their ideas. Like they're not brand experts. They're former players, most of them. What would they know about these things unless they've actually been trained in understanding the pros and cons of doing things in a particular way? So. This is something where we really need to have a debate about it and open up and yeah. have everyone voice their opinion, you know, because we might be saying something here and someone out there listening to this might be saying, oh, but that's not going to, you know, that's just going to drive away the, the, the hard, you know, the dyed-in-the-wool fans, in Wigan, for instance, you know, maybe, maybe so. So let's have that debate, you know, maybe we don't want that. What do we want to do though? Let's, let's have a debate um, and a proper debate. So I think it almost, we almost need to have like, you know, a series of, like you said, a TED, a TED conference almost, or, or, uh, you know, an actual conference, uh, a summit, shall I say, a summit that brings together all the great minds to have a proper discussion about this, yeah. Um, but yeah, look,
1: we are. I'm also in favour of a summit to have the naming convention of the summit that we will name rugby league.
0: Wow, that well, that is uh, as in the words of Phil Gould. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no anyway, okay. all, right. all right, moving, R- moving on, on. So, last tackle, tackle number six. Here we go. All right, the round fifteen tips, and uh, after. 14 rounds so i got seven last time you got six so i'm now a little bit further ahead 63.5 versus 57.5 to you so let's go on and talk about the uh, the games that are coming up in round 15 so eels versus storm uh look (laughs) <laughs> I have to go to the Eels I know they're probably not going to win But I have faith that they will be able to Something's going to happen Tish They're going to realise that they need to step up I'm guessing you're going the Storm
1: I'm going the Storm I'm a big fan <laughs> of Jerome Hughes um, And he's time travelling away So the Storm for mine
0: <laughs> Alright Panthers Sharks Panthers for mine
1: Um, uh, Yeah I think the Pan- This is going to be a bit of a grudge match Be a Panthers for mine as well
0: Uh, Broncos-Dragons. This is a difficult one because, you know, the Dragons have just had their bounce, uh, their post-coach bounce. So are they going to go back down? Well, not as bad as the Broncos. I think the Dragons will win this one.
1: Yeah, I feel like talking about uh, the Broncos and how bad they are is like flogging a dead horse. Uh, Wait, uh, but I'm going to tip uh, the Dragons.
0: Titans-Raiders? Raiders for mine.
1: Um. I'm going to tip an upset. So Gold Coast, this is an away game for the Raiders, so I think the Gold Coast could take this one, actually.
0: Tigers, Roosters? Um, I'm going to tip the Tigers in this one.
1: Ooh, <laughs> big call. Look, I'm going to tip the Tigers. Off. Can't go against it, but uh, yeah, I think the Roosters are going to be pretty strong in this one as well.
0: And look, Rabbitohs and Seagulls, this is a crucial one. This, I think, is mm. the turning point, because if Manly can win this one, they are... Uh, within striking distance of the Rabbitohs if they don't all of a sudden they they will well there'll still be a four-point gap because if the Sharks can't beat the Panthers then uh you know there'll still be a four-point gap but I actually think that this game will motivate them enough that they will uh defeat the Rabbitohs
1: look I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs I feel like the Eagles are a bit... Um, I think they've got too many injuries. Uh, they've got a lot of fight, but I don't think it's enough to beat the class of the Rabbitohs. All
0: right, Bulldogs-Warriors. Warriors for mine.
1: I am going to tip the Bulldogs. Um, spirited effort against the Tigers, and I think they'll have enough to beat the Warriors.
0: Knights-Cowboys. I'm tipping the Knights, and I think if they do win this one, correct me if I'm wrong, will they... Will they sneak into the top four? Possibly. They could possibly sneak into the top four if the other results go their way. So the Knights are actually in with a good shot here. Nice for mine.
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, look, I think this is a tough one as well. No, uh, look, I think the Knights are going to win. I think the Cowboys, They well, yeah, I think the Cowboys, they're a, just as hard it is to play at. You know, to travel to the Cowboys, I think it's also difficult for the Cowboys to travel anywhere else. So that's why I think the Knights will win this one.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up tackle six and the tips and the entire podcast. Thank you very much, Tish. We've certainly look. You know, we certainly <laughs> opened up a bit of a can of worms there at the end uh, with uh, some really interesting topics there. But look. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, you will indulge us in the near future with a proper discussion about the game and what it should be called. But no. for now, uh, you know, have a good week. Enjoy your footy. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, on our website, and on iTunes as well, as per normal. Uh, thanks a lot. And over to you, Teach, to wrap this one up.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Tan. I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening to the show. But look, that's all that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.